Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Some of you guys know that we went to a conference about two weeks ago and that radically shaped a lot of our leadership team that went. It really caused us to focus in a different direction. Uh, it caused Becky and I to kind of reevaluate where we were at as far as pastors, the direction we're going as a church. And uh, so, so some of this uh, message is going to cut. You're going to hear some of that through the, this message. But the focus for the next few weeks, we're going to focus on prayer. Prayer is super important to the life of the church, the life of your families, and your personal walk with Christ. It is something that is a... Uh, it's super important, but very seldom do we set it as a utmost importance. And, and I don't know if, if some of you guys realize or not, when we sing worship songs, we're actually tricking you into corporate prayer. You just don't realize it because it's prayers put to music and it makes it a little bit more appealing. And so that, that really is a, is a part of, you know, the, in the same vein as, as having a lifestyle of prayer as a lifestyle of worship. But I would encourage you to... Uh, as we go through these next few weeks, that you would self-evaluate, that you guys would begin to commit to pray with us, uh, because uh, the, the title of the message today, Power of a Praying Church. When a church prays, things begin to happen. I'm talking about a church. I'm not talking about a pastor. When a pastor prays, I'm talking about when a church prays, when the church collectively, corporately begins to pray the power that is released for them to be effective in all the things of ministry that, he, that God by design ha- has planned for that church begin to come to pass. So uh, we're just going to really focus on the, the, the principle of prayer. You know, prayer is a discipline that every believer should practice, but very few scratch the surface of it on a regular basis. You know, we just now, what, what, I'm, what I'm not talking about is Lord, I pray for this meal. Help it be nourished in our body. Blessed Lord, amen. Lord, help me sleep well tonight before I go to sleep that I don't die in my sleep and I wake up to live another day. Amen. Like, I'm not talking about those simple prayers. I'm talking a lifestyle of prayer where we're very intentional in our prayers because those are the ones that we just, but we say, hey, oh yeah, we pray, but we're counting those little, I'm not saying that they're not insignificant, but I don't feel that they're really as heartfelt and they're more of a routine than being intentional. It's just what we do, you know, and I, you know, I've trained my kids, I've, you know, I've told my kids, we got to pray for the food, we got to pray for this. So if daddy starts eating before we pray, hey, let me know it, right? It's a routine, you know, rather than being very, you know, and not, not saying that we don't need, we need to stop doing that, but don't count that and say, oh, well, no, I don't need to pray. I have a great prayer life. I pray in the morning, I pray for my meal, and I pray before I go to sleep. Because I think what God demands of Christians and the church is more than just the baseline prayer life. But he calls us to live a lifestyle of prayer, something that we do on a regular basis, okay? So some of the the focus that really changed when we went to this conference, uh, you know, I, I was believing that, man, God, we are in a season of growth. We're seeing the numbers go up. And I know numbers aren't anything because I'd rather have a small church that's healthy than a huge church that's dying spiritually, right? 
you know, but we, we had seen some growth. And so we're saying, God, man, there must, we must be in a growth season. And when we went to this conference, God redirected me and he said, Noe, you were experiencing growth, but the season that you're in is a restructuring year. I said, okay, so Lord, what does that mean to me? What does that, how does that apply to the church? Where are we going? What are we doing? Anytime that you restructure, you begin to strategically make steps and change things or adjust things. You know, it's the infrastructure, the foundation in which the church is built on, making sure that everything that we need in the future is set up now so that we can house whatever God wants to do in the future. So what does that mean? That may, that may mean we might start having people doing things that we've never done before. We may empower people to run in different areas of ministry that we've never done before. Now, I don't know exactly what all that looks like at this point, but I believe that God is going to continually unfold that to us as we continue to progress forward, okay? But there is something that we have to do. So when restructuring the church, you have to have the blueprints, right? You have to have a plan. You have to have something written down because if I, if I tell you guys, you know, hey, guys, this is where we're going. We're going to start here and we're going to end here. I'll see you all there. And I just walk off. Well, how the heck do we get there? And that is the ultimate goal, that God gives us a strategic blueprint and a plan to get to where we're going. And then as Becky and I and the leadership understands that direction, we communicate it to you and we journey together. That's what it's all about. It's not just about Becky and I's journey, but the journey of this church and the, and the, the direction of this church. One thing that God really... Uh, uh, pointed some direction that he gave me was the importance of Becky and I being the visionaries and, and, and supporting a mission statement and just establishing the, the heartbeat of the church and trying to communicate that in a, way to, in a way that you understand. So I know that it has to be very intentional, but it also needs to be very simple also because it's hard for us to remember things. If it's very difficult, you say, man, I don't, you know, but I believe that God is gonna give us that. That's where Becky and I are focusing and the reason we're focusing on that is because it's God is leading us that direction. And if we are not bathing this whole process in prayer, it is going to fail miserably. Because what happens when we begin to pray? When we begin to pray, it releases God's supernatural power to be involved in the decision-making and the structure and the planning and the developing of the church. Because if I remove prayer from the equation, the best that this church is going to be or the best that's going to do is the best that Noe and Becky can come up with. But I don't want what Noe and Becky can come up with the best. I want God's best plan and for him to reveal that to us. And I believe that that's only going to be, be released as we begin to pray and we begin to ask God for strategic blueprints, for strategic plans as God builds the church. You know, I'm really excited, you know, about... Uh, what God is going to do in the next few months, I really believe it's going to be sooner rather than later. I don't think this is something that we're going to restructure. You're like, well, year five, we're still restructuring. No, I, I believe that this is going to be somewhat of a rapid process. It's going to be something that when we hear God, we're going to make a move. We're not going to just say, well, Lord, is that really you? Because I believe that as we make our plans, as we take steps, God will guide and direct those steps. But we, may, we allow him to tell us when to make the first move, Okay. We hear God on that, okay? So this is one thing that I know. Everything that is prayed through prevails. Hear that. That is a pinnacle statement. Everything that is prayed through will prevail. If there is a lack of prayer, it is guaranteed to fail. 
Prayer is what is going to establish the house, it's going to build the house, it's going to give us the steps that we need to take to build a, uh, a strong, foundationed church that uh, accomplishes all that God desires for us to accomplish, okay? So uh, when we pray, it releases God into our situation. We have to understand that prayer is powerful, okay? If you've, if you've never prayed for something or you've never uh, interceded on behalf of something, Man, I would encourage you, ask God, say, God, what is that all about? Are you asking me to do that? How do I do that? And ask Renee, talk to some of these people who love to pray, and we'll set you in the right direction. Because I believe that God is, is calling out and he's raising up prayer warriors in the house. A prayer warrior is something is different than somebody that just prays often. A prayer warrior prays unceasingly. Because that is who they are. That is what God has designed them to be and to do as far as the covering and the support of the church. And I, I'm believing that those in the house would rise up today in Jesus' name because we need it at this season of where the church is at. We'll still need it later, but we need it especially right now as we make decisions and we restructure and we kind of make some adjustments, different things like that. So let's look at James 5, 13 through 16. James 5, 13 through 16, verse 13, it says, If anyone is in trouble, I wonder what he should do. He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Verse 14, If any one of you is sick, he should call for the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And this last little part, I really want to focus on it, but I didn't want to take it out of context so we see the whole picture of that. But then it says, the prayer of a righteous man slash woman is powerful and effective. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, when I pray, it is powerful and effective. Let's say it one more time, just in case you didn't realize it. When I pray, it is powerful and effective. That when in there can be big for some of you guys, though. When I pray. When I pray, it's good. But when you don't, we need to make sure that we're living in a lifestyle of prayer more often than not. Okay? So prayer was, the, 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 was paramount in that whole passage. You know, if you're in trouble, you should pray. And a lot of us, we're good at that. You ever had hard times or you don't know what to do or you can't pay a bill? What happens? Man, we start praying all of a sudden. We, we know how to pray in the bad times. What about praying in the good times? Because, you know, really, I feel like that's the season we're at. We're not at a bad place as a church. We're not, you know, we're, we're not at a financial place where we can't pay the bills. We really ideally are at a good place as a church, but God is asking us to invest more, to do more, to restructure, and I need his hands involved in all of that. I need the power of his Holy Spirit to be released in the decisions we make. I make a lot of decisions. Becky and I were talking about that. There is a lot of decisions we make, and sometimes they scare me to death. And, you know, I... I guess if I make horrible ones, all of you will know. You know, I, you know, I don't know, you know, but... There's so many critical decisions that we make on a regular basis, and some of them are insignificant, but some of them are very significant. 
And some of them could possibly affect each of you individually. And I know that they all have an impact in this church. Where are we spending our money? Where are we utilizing our resources? Where are we focusing our attention to? All of these things play a variable in collectively what our church life looks like. So we need the power of God released as we pray. So it's my desire that our church, that, that God would continue to build and lead us as we continue to follow him. You have to understand that, guys. If we do something good, it's because God showed us what to do. And he's leading us and he's guiding us. He's saying, hey, go this way. Hey, Noe, for this next few weeks, focus on prayer. You're going to need it in the future. This isn't my enlightened like, oh, like, look at me leading. This is God saying, this is what you need to get to where I want you to go. What are we going to talk about after prayer these next three weeks? I have no clue. All I know right now, God is calling the church to be a church of prayer, to learn how to pray, to be people of prayer, that we might release God to do all that he wants in the house. So prayer is the key that unlocks the supernatural. We have to understand that that's what it does. Prayer gets us off of ourselves and it releases uh, the power of God into our situation. The supernatural, uh, it's, it's something that God releases. It's beyond our natural ability. It's the part that God plays in the life of the church and individuals. Okay, as a church, we, we do all we can practically and then we release God to do what only he can do supernaturally within our churches. Because I've seen it done two ways, right? You know, where we're super passive and we let God do everything, but we don't do anything. We're lazy or we're just expecting God to do something for us. We as the church have to be the hands and feet of Christ. We have to be, we have to be workers in the house. You know, it's not, you know, I think it's something that uh, we do the best we can. And our heart is that we would create an atmosphere in this church, a, 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 an opportunity where it is very difficult for people not to experience the presence of God. So that, what does that mean practically? That means when they enter this front door, they, the, the first people they meet is our greeters and they're smiling, they're loving, they put their hand out. And I believe that there is just a transference of the presence of God that as soon as they walk through, they immediately say something's different in this house. I was frustrated, I was stressed, I was overwhelmed, but all of a sudden I've sensed this peace of the presence of God. I don't really understand what it is. I'm not even a Christian, but yet being exposed to the presence of God. That as they come in, they feel welcomed. As, as they enter into worship, the presence of God is showing up and radically wrecking lives in a good kind of way. And that lives are forever changed. As they mingle in the coffee spot, somebody places a hand on them and just, man, just pouring the love of God on them in a practical, real kind of way. And then something begins to change. That calloused heart all of a sudden begins to kind of layers come off as they're loved. And they say, man, how do these people love me? They don't know me. But yet they have compassion and they're friendly. And even the pastor came up and said, hello. Just the relationship, you know, the whole reason we do what we do is so that we might reach more for the gospel of Christ. It's not to hype this church up and say, oh, look at all the things we are doing. If I can't explain the why we do it, I don't want to do it. There always has to be a reason for what we implement, okay? And that's going to be a challenge for me. If I'm like, uh, I don't know, then I'm going to have to challenge myself and either get an answer or we need to quit doing it because there needs to be purpose in everything that we do. 
So we have to understand that prayer is the key that unlocks everything in our lives. Sorry, I should have got this already. I need somebody who is really strong and courageous. If I can find my keys. I can't find my keys. Did you take my keys? My regular keys to my car. My wife is sabotaging me. I have to have my keys or this thing gonna work. <clears throat> Man, thank you, Lord, for this wife. How did she get my keys? Is my wallet in there too? I need to make sure. I need somebody who's strong. Who's strong in here? Jimmy Don, you got ultimate superhero strength? Come up here for me. So prayer is the key that unlocks the impossible, right? So do whatever you want. Don't bring nothing in the church. Try to get that open for me. Work on it for a little bit. So, so sometimes we don't pray. Man, don't pick a lock or something. He's got a pick lock kick out of there. You know, to where he... We forcefully try to open something that we haven't prayed about. And we say, man, there is no way I can get this open. I can pry, I can press. And sometimes we even take it upon ourselves to get the big bolt cutters, right? And say, oh, well, I'll show this lock. And we break it. But what does God's scripture say? He says, not by power, not by might, but it's only by my spirit. So there is this key ingredient that God wants to release in the churches today that cause effectiveness to happen. And we can't do it within our own strength. We can try. You working over there? You ain't sweating yet. You're probably not working that hard on it. He's thinking about it. Let me give you something that'll help you. Come back up here. So we try to do it within our own strength. And let's say Jimmy Don was sitting over there and he said, God, help me. I, I need your help. I can't do this within my own strength. This is be, beyond my ability to get through. I can't open the door. I can't close the door. Whatever it is, he can't do it. So he's fighting with that. He can't get it. And then he begins to pray. And all of a sudden, God gives him something that changes everything. See if you can open it with that. And this mind-boggling thing happens. God gives us the key to success. You mean you, it was that easy? That easy, but we got to have the key. Thank you, man. You have to have the key in order to accomplish what God has called you to. That only happens by prayer. Some things cannot be open. Something we can force, we can try. We can say, God, why are you not doing what you promised you can do? Well, you never asked me for help, buddy. You didn't come with me with a heart of humility. You didn't ask me if I wanted you to open this. But as God leads, he also gives us the provision to accomplish whatever he desires for us to accomplish. He gives us the key which can unlock any lock. But we have to ask that God would give that to us. We can use our power. We can use our might. Luke 1.37, it says, for nothing is impossible without God. Nothing is impossible well, what if it's a real, real big lock? Well, God has a real, real big key too. 
There's nothing that God cannot open and there's nothing that God cannot shut. But if the door has not opened and I am praying and I am releasing the supernatural power of God into a situation and I'm asking God for guidance and I have a red light in front of me, it would be in my best interest to stop. And then I get a green light, guys, and say, hey, y'all buckled up. Come on, because we are going to move. And that's what I'm encouraging you guys. As God gives us a green light, we are going to go. As God gives us a yellow light, that doesn't mean floor it. That means proceed with caution. Right? Some of us say, oh, but it means hurry up. It's going to turn red. <laughs> I know how you drive. I do it too. Right? It's like, let's go. And then you hope somebody's not in a hurry to come the other way, right? Proceed with caution. So as God leads, we promise to follow. So everyone wants to reap the benefits of prayer, but very few want to put in the work that prayer requires. It's a hard, it's a hard statement. Everybody wants the benefits of prayer. You know, I've, I've heard testimonies of where children or grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren get saved because of the prayers of their great-great-grandparents. Continually praying, continually praying, and you know, almost to the point where it's like, man, you should stop praying. I think your prayer's making it worse. But that consistent prayer prevailed. And it caused the supernatural power of God to, to wreck those lives in a way that caused them to fall in love with Jesus and forever changed them. We added a few little things on the back of your announcement sheet just to make it a little bit fun. So we're going to fill in that blank. blank. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Without looking it up, don't pull it up yet. Can anybody fill in the blanks without looking it up in your word? Rejoice. Always. Pray. Just when you feel like it. Or you want to leave it blank. Pray never. And then what's that last part? Pray in all circumstances and give what? Thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will, a specific will for you. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I wish I knew what God's will for me is. Start with these three and see what happens. It'll take you a long way because I believe everything else that God asks you to do is tied into these three things. That we be joyful always, that we pray continually, that we give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So praying continually, <coughs> excuse me. You know, I think some of us think that I have to open my mouth and I have to talk nonstop if I, it, to pray I believe what this is, this is implying is that an attitude of prayer is consistent. I'm always mindful of these, of these things, and I'm just, you know, under my breath saying, God, lead me today. Father, show me what I'm supposed to do. Father, I know I'm going to have opportunity to talk to people today. God, give me boldness to just throw your love at them rather than shrink back out of fear. God, I know I have a hard task at work today. God, give me grace to not get tempered or angry. Father, help me to... to to pridefully hold your name and to wear your name well. That's what I'm talking about. And it's not, not that you're saying these things, but in your mind, in your spirit, it is just continually bubbling this atmosphere, this spirit of prayer. And then at certain moments, it gets so strong that you can't contain it and you do have to verbally pray it out. 
because I believe that those words, it's not necessarily for God because God knows and he hears. He says that he knows what we have need of even before we ask. I believe that those words come forth because they cast down darkness and they let the enemy know what your agenda is. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Devil don't like to hear that. But I know a lot of people have a hard time speaking things out. We say it so that the enemy of this world can hear it. And every time that we speak forth truth out of our mouth, it begins to push back the darkness. It causes the enemy to flee every single time. So Noah, I need to pray out loud? Yeah, you do. Not all the time, you know, not every moment, you know, but there needs to be a urgency. There needs to be uh, intentional moments when we do pray. Psalms 145, 18 through 19, it says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on his name in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. That's always such a comforting thing because like if I'm in a situation where I feel fearful or God, I'm gonna mess this up, and, and when I shout out and I say, Father God, help me, that he promises to save me and to come to my rescue and to never leave me forsaken. And he won't let me die. You know, I mean, I just, you know, I think it's, I, I think there's different moments in our life. You know, I think there's times that God wants to show us something, but we're not going to die, but it's a catalyst for change. But he always promises to rescue us. There are times in our life where we are going to feel like we are out of control. You know, prayer is for those who are passionate, uh, passionate about being close to God. You know, I, I was thinking this week, I said, so, man, God, what are some of the challenges that prevent people from praying? And these are just a few that I came up with. But I believe that, you know, the first thing, the first reason people don't really pray is because they say, I don't know how to pray. They've just never been taught. They don't know how to pray, so therefore they don't pray. Maybe they're worried about that our prayers don't sound, you know, elegant enough. Because I hear people say that, you know, they hear people pray and they're like, oh, you just pray so beautifully. It's like, man, mess up a lot of words and get them all mixed up and somehow God works it out. But it's not about how it comes out. It, 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 it matters about what's coming out of the heart. And it can be as simple as, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. And then in each of these, ask God, say, God, show me how to pray. You know, maybe, maybe prayer feels like a huge obligation rather than a lifestyle. Well, you know, it's like, man, we feel like praying is like going to the gym. You know, you think about it and you, I don't know, psych yourself out like 95% of the time. Like, well, it's kind of hot today and I might sweat to and from there. And AC is pretty nice right now and. My favorite TV shows coming on. You know, whatever. We, we psych ourselves out of it and we just, you know, we just don't do it. Right? You know, it feels like this ah, huge obligation. And so, man, just, I'm just not going to, it's just too much work. But anything that requires work, there's always a benefit to it. You know, those who are in really great shape, now there are genetics, but there's most people. To look as good as some people, you got to put the work in. There's no way around it. He said, God just made me this way. No, we had to put the work in. It's just like that in prayer. We have to put the work in to reap the benefits and the results of it. Something that we have to do. 
So let me help you a little bit. I was reading this book. It was talking about prayer. So let's just maybe change, maybe to help some of you who really feel like prayer is this huge obligation. Let's maybe change our perspective and just see prayer as a continual conversation with someone. An ongoing conversation. You know, it's like, you know, I see my wife today. Hey, how you doing? Man, you got, what's your day look like? You're super busy. Hey, I got to do this and this and this. Hey, you know, let's, I'll see you tomorrow, whatever. And then we go, we may not talk to the next day. But when I come back that next morning, hey, how was your day? It's not awkward. This obli- it's just a continual conversation. And then in that conversation, I, I might say, hey, well, how was your day? Say, Man, it really wasn't that good. Well, tell me a little bit about it. And then you start getting into the realness of just that conversation. And, you know, uh, you may be talking, then the phone may ring, and then you just leave the conversation. But you can always come back to it. It's not this hard, it, you know, it doesn't have to be this informal type of process where it's like, oh, Lord, I know you hear me, and, you know, but I've been bad. You know, like this whole, like, you have to do it the right way. Let's completely remove that. As a child of God, you have the right to come boldly before the throne of grace anytime you want. And when you say, Daddy God, he immediately looks down and he hears you. Think of that concept, that the creator of the universe hears my voice when I call, and that I can hear his voice also. The word of God says, I can hear his voice, and not another will I listen to. I won't be deceived by the voice of the world, but I'll be drawn to the voice of the Father, but I have to begin to recognize his voice. But when I recognize his voice, I will never be deceived again because I know what his voice sounds like. When my wife answers the phone and she says, hey, what's going on? I don't say, hey, who is this? (laughs) I know her voice. Now, sometimes you call the wrong number and you're like, I so thought this was my, who is this? But on a regular basis, because of the time we have communicated together, her voice is never a foreign voice that I don't know. I know what her voice sounds like. She doesn't even have to say, Noe, this is Becky. (laughs) That's what we want from God. Joe, this is God speaking. No, he doesn't have to do that. Now, he might if you don't know his voice. And you'll have one of those experiences where you're floored by his glory because he wants to reveal himself to you. But once we get this relationship and we start this fellowship of communion through prayer with God, man, it's just an ongoing conversation with him. You know, and it might be, Lord, man, I've been so busy. Man, I hadn't spent days. There's been days I haven't spent with you. I'm sorry. You know, because I'd have to do the same thing. If I avoided my wife for a week, I can't be like, hey, what's up? Where you been? (laughs) Awkward. I've been right here. Making the meals, you've been coming and going, providing everything you need. And I've just been coming and going. So we need to begin to shift our understanding of what this relationship of, you know, what this lifestyle of prayer really should look like. Now, I'm I'm not saying don't make it so casual because you 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 are approaching the creator of heaven and earth. And if your heart isn't right, he will humble you. But you have to understand that you do have a right to approach his throne of grace at any moment, at any time, and to call out for him for help. So just see it as a two-way conversation also. Some of you, you know, when this happens sometimes, if my wife has had a really exciting day, which I think she's gotten better. I don't think she talks like she used to talk because my job has changed, so I'm around more. (laughs) 
but you come off of nights and it's like, lay it on me, baby. And you just sit there. It's a one-way conversation. <laughs> well, this and this and this. Oh, really? Well, what about, oh, and she keeps going. That was a, that was a comma, not a period. And just, but, but when there's that continual relationship, you don't have to do all this catch up. And we do that. Well, Lord, you know, I did this and this and this, you know, let, you know, let's say you don't repent for a week. Or come with the list, buddy, you know, because I'm sure there's some stuff you messed up in a week. Just get it right, keep it right, and keep it continual on a regular basis. Pray every single day of your life. But take the word prayer maybe out of it, right? Maybe that's the, the word that's really hanging us up. But choose to connect. Let's use that word. Let's choose to connect with God every single day. Well, I read his word. Man, yeah, I was reading, and then he just began to speak through me through it. Hey, you've connected with God. Well, let's say you didn't read your word today. Right, and this is the pastor today, but you just sat there and you prayed. Well, God spoke to you. Man, God still spoke to me, and man, he showed me something, you know. He showed me, you know, just, I was walking around at work. I saw something in nature, and God showed me something about his beauty. He spoke to me, and I just realized something that I'd never realized. I'm just walking in this, in this connecting with God, okay? So we have to also be mindful the moment that God begins to speak in our lives, we begin to change. So we can actually begin to know the heart of God by spending time with him through a lifestyle of prayer. I would also encourage you, encourage you as God begins to speak, you please stop talking. But Lord, I... just wait. If the Lord is speaking, what he has to say is probably more important than what you have to say. Because people chase moments to hear from God. And then when he wants to speak, we don't give him a chance. So take those moments in prayer to hear from God. Reminded of that passage, John 15, 14 through 15, where he talks about, you know, you are my friends if you do what I command, but I no, no longer call you servants, but because a servant does not know his master's business. But what this means is that a friend does know the master's business. He does know what's in his heart. He does know what he's doing. You know, what's the difference between close friends and casual friends? Casual friends, hey, hey, how's your day going? Good, all right, later, see you, all right. And that's it. Close friends, you know a little bit about them, right? You build relationship. You've invested some amount of time together. You know, I had an opportunity the, this week to go fishing with somebody that I've never went fishing with, hadn't spent a lot of time with, but I tell you what, after that fishing trip, I got a pretty close relationship. Our relationship grew. It wasn't about the fish. He promised me great big fish, but we didn't catch great big fish. <laughs> Hardheads, croaker, and your hands got to smell like shrimp when you were done. But what really happened there was I went from a casual friendship to close friendship. Shared a few things about his heart, you know, his family, man, where'd you grow up? Tell me, you know, tell me, I connected built relationship. But if I, what if I would have said, no, nah, I don't want to go fishing? I'd have never built that relationship. What if I say, no, I don't ever want to pray, God? Well, then I forfeit the benefits of having a close relationship. And I'll never know the things in God's heart. Like I would have never known the things in my friend's heart if I wouldn't have been intentional. Right? So we need to make sure that we are close friends with God, not just casual friends. You know, when we spend time in prayer, we grow in our understanding of who God is. 
and he will begin to align our heart with his. You know, Becky and I know that for us to lead this church well, we have to adapt the lifestyle of being pastors of prayer on a regular basis. Pastors who continually connect with the heart of God. Pastors who continually are in the presence of God so that God would receive the glory that we wouldn't try to put ourselves on a pedestal, but that God would receive the utmost glory in our lives. We have to be exposed to the presence of God. You know, prayer is the key to release God's supernatural power in the church. And, and we, want, we want God to do all that he desires to do within the church. That's really Becky and I's heart. And I mean, sometimes, you know, I have to remind myself, it's like, Noe, hear God. Because I feel like God has built, has built me in a way that I am a builder. I am a structurer. I like to have plans. I like to have processes. I like once you build the plan, stick to the plans, buddy. If the plans don't work, rebuild the plans, but stick to the plan. But I got to be very careful that my plan is God's plan and not my own. So I submit all these things to the Lord, and I really believe that's where we're at. I'm saying, God, here's everything we've built up to this point. Not saying what Pastor Jim and what Pastor Bobby have invested is completely gone, but to reinforce the foundation that was already established. Man, it's a lot easier to reinforce than to build from scratch. And I thank God for you guys, because I wouldn't want to start at square zero. So what are we doing? We're rebuilding a church. That may, that may, you may say, well, we already have a church. No, we're restructuring within the church so that this church would be all that God has called it to be. Do I know what it looks like? No. The thing that scares the mess out of me, I feel like I have big vision. I have big plans. But I feel like what God is birthing in my heart is bigger than Noe's plans. And because it's bigger, I got to have God involved. Because at some point, my skills, my, my, my abilities are going to fail. And unless God takes over and he redirects me, I will fail miserably and I will fail you all. But God will never fail. And that's, that's, that's what I'm going to cling to. You know, if something doesn't work, say, well, God, you told us to do this, so you have a plan for this. Because as God leads, we promise to follow. And I invite you guys on a journey with us. Don't let us be pastors that pray alone. Don't allow us to be pastors that build alone. But I would encourage each of you to rise to your God-given potential. If you're not a person of prayer, begin to ask God, how do I pray? And just start somewhere. And pray with us and build with us and grow with us is what I'm really encouraging you to be a part of. There was a book that I read a while back. It's called An Autopsy of a Dying Church. This author went around and he surveyed, I don't know, man, hundreds of churches that closed down. And those pastors were open and honest as far as what do they think were the contributing factors that allowed churches to be successful or why did their church doors close? And that's kind of a hard thing because most people don't want to talk about the bad times and the time things didn't work. But as he went through this thing, I believe that there was 11 or 12 things that were very consistent amongst every single church that the doors closed. One of the biggest things, churches that didn't pray died. Do you hear that? Churches that didn't pray, they died. 
from the inside out, you know, I just think, you know, they, they did not connect to the things that God wanted them to, to do. You know, uh, you know this, this is a statement that came right out of the book. It says, you know, uh, the, 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 what he said, he says, you know, the churches rarely prayed together. In, in its last eight years, the only time of corporate prayer was a three-minute period in the Sunday worship service. Prayers were always limited to members, their friends and family, or physical needs. It was a very selfish motive if they did pray at all. It wasn't praying for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. He wasn't praying for the other local churches. It was very selfish. There was no depth. They were just, they were just going through, I think they were just going through the motions of saying, yeah, we pray. But I read in that book, he would ask the pastors, he says, Has, is your, you know, he, he, he's going through the check mark of, of evaluating them. And he'd get to the one, do you, do you consider your church to be a church of prayer? Well, yeah. And he'd pause for a minute. Do you really pray? And then every one of those pastors kind of just would hang his head low and said, no, not really. Churches that don't pray, they die. So some of the questions I ask myself regarding our church, are we a church that prays? You know, I'm not talking about, I know we pray when we're opening up a worship when we're opening worship, when we're closing, you know, are we a church uh, with a culture that supports prayer as a pillar of the house? Where if you were to say, what are the five things we stand for? Man, I hope at some point that there's enough vision and we build to the place that we are a church of prayer. Some people don't like it. Some people don't see the value in it. But if you see prayer as, as the tool that God uses to unlock locks that are unlockable apart from his power, we would all begin to pray. Because none of us want to sit here and try to get this open within our own strength and within our own power when God has the key readily available for us, but we have to pray first. Our God is a kingdom-minded God, and prayer is the avenue in which he releases his kingdom into the earth. You know, I'm, I, I quoted it already, you know, the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us specifically how to pray. If you've never looked at the, Lord pray, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, all of you, most of you should know it, and maybe you've quoted it, and you didn't even know that that's what the heck it was. It's considered the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you ought to pray. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he gives glory to God first. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Has there, any, has there been any me, myself, and I in any of this prayer yet? Lord, we glorify your name. Your kingdom come to earth and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And then it finally gets to where, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. So give me what I need to sustain the day. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us, you know, where we've messed up, but also allow us to forgive others as they've wronged us. Help us not to be deceived, you know, by, by the evil one. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And then what does he sum it up with? For yours is the power and the glory and honor forever and ever. There's very little selfish motive in that prayer. So shouldn't our prayers reflect that every time we pray? We've even been very, very serious about some of the songs we've been trying to sing. If, it's, if it talks about me, myself, and I, what I want, what I need, what I get, 
the dinner bell, ding, God, this is what I want. We're not supporting those in singing them within our church. It takes the focus off of what glorifying God and, and exalting our praise of God, and it causes selfish motives to be glorified amongst glorification to God. So prayer is one of the most powerful tools that God gives the church. So when we begin to pray, things begin to change. When we begin to pray, things begin to change. Uh, a little over a year ago, we started pre-service prayer. We meet at 9.30 in, a, in, a, in the prayer room over here to the side, and we just pray over the service. We pray over the people. We pray over each of you that are coming, in, in, that God would just meet with you, that he would impact your lives. And uh, we commit to do that from 9.30 to 10, and then 10, we have fellowship, and then 10.30, we start the service. We've been intentional as far as pre-service prayer. I'm believing that God is kind of raising the bar of that where prayer is more of a corporate participation thing. I'm kind of asking God for some direction about some steps I want to take and how to make that a priority. Uh, I'm just kind of trying to let you guys know where we're going as a church, you know, that it has to be something that's intentional. If you don't know how to do it, let us teach you. Best way to teach you, be around it. Just keep moving because prayer, sometimes you'll get tired and want to fall asleep. Story about a guy that fell out a window by getting too comfortable in the presence of God. So we don't have any two-story windows here, so we're okay. But we're, we're praying about changing a few things to where our church has a pillar of prayer. To where you say, what does your church stand for? Well, we pr we're, pr we're people that believe in prayer because I believe it'll change everything. It's gonna change the church, it's gonna change your families, and it's gonna change your lives. So before we get out of here, I'm just going to give you a few practical steps uh, to help jumpstart your prayer life. You were saying, no, I need some guidance, man. I don't know what to do. I never pray. I don't like praying. I've never seen the value in praying. But today I'm encouraged. I want to pray in some capacity. Give me something I can walk away with. So on the back of your sheet, if you have a pen, I'm going to give you the blanks for this, uh, for the word prayer. So the first thing to really... Uh, He's a successful prayer. For the P, pour out your heart is the first thing. So when I say pour out your heart, what does that mean? Whatever's in there. If you're angry, let it rip. If you're, if you're sad, let it, you know, whatever's in your heart, pour out your heart. Okay? The second thing is uh, realize that God hears. That's a big deal, right? If I'm praying and I believe that God hears and I know that God hears, that changes everything. Okay? So the first one, pour out your heart. The R, realize God hears. The A, always believe. So that means to have faith. They caught up over there. I knew they'd get there. All right. And then that Y, yield to what God says to you. Slow down, evaluate it. See what he's saying to you, right? E, expect to meet with God. All right. And then R, Release control of the situation. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever you're praying about, if, you, if you'll just really adapt some of those into your, into your prayer time, I believe that it'll drastically change. Now, if you apply some of these, great. If there's some of you haven't, try it. Pour out your heart. Realize God hears. Always believe. Yield to what God says to you. Expect to meet with God and then release control of the situation because God really is in control and you're not anyway. All right, you guys stand up with me this morning.
I would challenge each of you guys to, and gals and young people, young adults, man, pray over this church. God is really wanting to do something mightily in this church, and we need as many, we we covet your prayers in this season of of transition and change and restructuring. And uh, I know that God won't let us down. But I'm I'm really encouraging you so that you can be a part of it. As you begin to see the plan of God unfold, as as maybe God begins to give you direction, and you're saying, man, you know, I was praying and I really felt that this is the direction that we're going and you didn't maybe tell us that and then all of a sudden you see God leading us in that direction and you say, oh man, did God reveal to me what God's ultimate plan was for the church and Noe and Becky heard the same thing and then we saw the same thing happen and perhaps we are all communicating to the same living God they can carry on a conversation with me and you at the same time. He's not limited. When he's talking to Noah, he's not too busy to hear from you. He's a God of every season, of every point of your life. You know, he, he wants to be involved in our lives. He desires for us to connect with him on a regular basis. And if we will be a people of prayer, we will be a people of power, which will result in a, in a church of power. Noe, what do you mean by that? We will begin to see things like we've never seen. Because I believe God wants to re- release his spirit in a way that is so powerful, it causes those who don't believe to believe. You mean people can be healed? Absolutely. You mean blind eyes can be opened? If God wills. But I tell you what, no, he can't do it. But the power of God can and that's what we're asking for. That's what we're, we're rendering the heavens. That's what we're calling on Father God for. God, that whatever we have need of, that you would release it. But at the same time, that we would be, each be diligent with the ability that he's given each of us. If it's to preach, preach. If it's to teach, teach. If it's to love, love. If it's to serve, serve. We do our part, and then we release God to do his. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.